Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Boston University Podcast, podcast for dog people. If it's your first time listening, I'm John, a former animal cruelty officer and a former animal shelter supervisor. And I'm Jamie. I am a certified dog trainer and a canine behavioral consultant. On this episode, we're discussing resource guarding for real this time. Hi, everybody. You ready? I'm ready. I'm excited for this one. So this episode, we're going to talk about resource guarding, which we've been kind of beating around the bush over. I was going to say that phrase. You literally read my mind. Beating around the bush. That's what we've been doing. It's about time, I think. Yeah, it's about time that we talk about this. Um, We've done. It's hard from our standpoint because we can't remember which episodes we talked about what because we we do this so often. So it's easy to forget what was already said and how it was said and the questions that we answered and stuff like that. So I um, have been talking to a lot of my clients and when resource guarding comes up, there's so many different topics of it that I have some people that they're like, can we just have one episode that's basically just on resource guarding? Because we have three that have touched on it very briefly. And this probably still won't cover it as well as it in its entirety. We've also been a little hesitant because... It's a serious it's, topic. It's a serious topic, and it's one of those things that if you try and fix it yourself and you're not, you know, you don't have your wits about you, you could really get hurt. And we don't want to put people in a position where they're going to get themselves hurt. So we try not to tell people, oh, yeah, do this exercise. <laughs> but then at the same time, all that information is out there anyway, and they're probably going to pick a bad option. Exactly. So might as well put our good information out there and help people not get bit. Right. So I guess we could just start. At the very beginning, what is resource guarding? Layman's terms, because that's like my MO. I'm a super layman's terms type girl. Um, resource guarding is when we're gonna we're talking about dogs. Dogs will guard something that to them is of extreme value and they have to be possessive of it over it and keep everybody away from them. And they do whatever it takes to do so. How to identify guarding? And that's mainly gonna be through uh, body language. And so I have a video ready for that. Um, really, it's a... Oh, you're going to start it off. Let's do it. We're going to jump right into it. And we're just going to show this video. It's a pretty intense video of resource guarding. Can I just state that when I found this on YouTube, like while I was watching it, I got chills and like my, I was cringing. Yeah. Like I was so uncomfortable by this video. First things first, you're going to see a puppy approach the food bowl. I, I don't know what this person was thinking. I'm not sure what the situation is because this is not like one of those videos where you look on YouTube and it's it's a dog trainer working with the dog. I think this is just a Joe Schmo videotaping their dog right. and there just happens to be like an infant infant puppy running around yeah, and I'm not really sure why. Yeah, so you're going to see that and I promise you the puppy doesn't get hurt. Yeah. It gets a little bit... Uh, Probably scared. A little hairy for a couple seconds. Yeah, you're but, like, oh my God, is the puppy but okay? I promise but you nothing's going to the happen. The puppy's okay. It's just a warning. So... We're going to go ahead and start that. But it's a very good example. Yeah, I think so. So you want to give a little play-by-play here. Yeah, so I can't hear the sound, obviously, because that's what you guys are hearing. But basically, now you see the dog go after the puppy. Puppy's okay. Uh, that was like a warning scuffle. So like went at the puppy and like moved the puppy along. Didn't Most likely didn't make actual bite contact with the puppy. Um, everything the dog is doing right now is is your primal body language of leave me alone, leave this food alone. So for some reason, and if you look at this dog, it does look kind of skinny. It's hard to tell on golden retrievers sometimes because they have the longer hair, but you can kind of tell that 
that that dog is probably on the skinnier side. So maybe it doesn't get food that often. There's a lot of food in that bowl, too. There is a lot of food in that bowl. Um, so much so that it's going all over the place. So this dog is is leaned over the food, uh, growling into the food, eyes coming up. like Very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable, but showing, and I know a lot of people won't think of this first, but this is the first thing that John and I see, is showing a lot of restraint. Yeah. Lots of restraint. So, and that yellow thing, it looks like a bugle horn. It's like, or a, like, it's like I think it's just a toy. It's just whatever they had close to them I that think, was long. Yeah, I think they were just trying to like use something to like prod the dog um, to get a reaction. Yeah. It and you can like see like the dog is like kind of like snapping at the toy and going right back to the food. So you see that possession there that they're, that dog is like, that's its resource. That right. for some reason, that dog feels threatened enough. To do this, and maybe the dog doesn't get fed that often. Yeah, so that's full-blown. Like, there's no denying it. If you see that, you're immediately like, okay, that's resource guarding. Yeah. It could typically present as just your dog getting stiff, and maybe they stop eating. Maybe, like, Mm -hmm. if you walk close to them, they'll stop eating, and they just get stiff, and they watch to see what you're doing. Yeah, the eyeballs are always on you. Yeah, and then once you back off, or maybe not you, maybe another dog in the house, maybe a kid, but once, once that trigger backs off, then they resume eating, and that's... That's kind of like your your most quietest sign of resource guarding. And that's really what you want to watch for to avoid getting bit. Because if you don't know that your dog has resource guarding or if it's um, you know a newly adopted dog, you might not know their full personality. You they won't don't... know their threshold. You won't right. know how close is too close. And I think that's like the biggest thing here. So like you saw at points in that video, the dog stopped growling and went back to eating. Yeah. So I guess the guy probably backed up a little bit. And then proceeded forward, and that's when you saw the dog get stiff again, round its shoulders, get really low. That you know the the disgusting uh, teeth being shown. Um, that is, and if you saw, that's what the the golden retriever was doing to the puppy. But the puppy is so young; it's not acknowledging that that's something that right that that's is a warning on. sign. Yeah. Um. So some dogs will only do that and not be vocal. Yeah. And then snap afterwards, and then the other dog is. Very confused. Yeah. So another question that we've gotten in the past was like, they asked if it was a male dominant trait mm-hmm. resource guarding. Yes, they had a puppy that. for the first time ever started guarding. And this, they said, you know, is this like a male thing? It's the only male we've ever had and the only guarder we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> Just a coincidence. So guarding is not a breed specific trait. It's not a, a gender trait. It's not age, you know, age, nothing. It, guarding can really surface at any time. Any dog, any breed does not matter. Guarding is... It's just a behavior. It's either a learned behavior or one of those DNA behaviors that we talk about. I want to touch on learned behavior. So learned behavior and DNA behavior are very, very different. Um, DNA be- behavior is like from birth. So like a trait that was passed down, um, maybe the parents were, um, you know, traumatized or from a really hard situation. Um, and now that trait is just dominant in that dog and passed down so they're more susceptible to acting on those emotions Um, whereas a learned behavior is a dog that does this um, over time because someone else is putting them in a situation they feel like they can't handle and they have to show these signs that they are not given a choice and they have to and this is not overnight they don't they don't just wake up and like start guarding like it is over time they learn, okay, this is what keeps my resources. And then it gets worse and worse and worse, especially when um, we we come into it as the alpha, which does not exist. No, doesn't we'll exist. we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that if you haven't already seen uh, or listened to that other small bit about mm-hmm. the alpha theory, but it yeah. does not exist. Uh, so a lot of people are always, 
when they encounter this, they might be confused as to what objects are actually being guarded because things to us seemingly have no value, like uh, like a a plastic bag or you know something something anything. <laughs> one of my least but favorite stories. The one? the one with the uh, six month chocolate lab that was guarding plastic bags from its family. Yes. Yeah. It, to you, it has no value. Mm-hmm. But what happens when that dog gets that plastic bag? What happens when that dog picks up that Lego or gets that sock? You chase them. Mm-hmm. You just put value on it. The value is your attention. The value is everybody else wants this. So I want this. So even seemingly, um, you know, nonsense things with zero value has some kind of value to your dog. And that could be why they're guarding it. And then, like, we've seen beds. Comfort is a value. Mm-hmm. Food is a value, a resource. Just because you don't see it as a resource doesn't doesn't mean that they don't see it as a resource. And I think this is, I mean, in terms of um, the most confusing thing that needs to be trained out, I would say guarding is number one because it's very hard for us as humans to understand what the hell is going on. Yeah, and there's so many variables. We're that, thinking about it from a human standpoint. We are not thinking about it from a dog standpoint. Yeah. And That's even, the problem. Even the most dog savvy people, they just have need a hard a, time with it. They need a fresh eye on it, especially mm-hmm. when it's your dog and it's, you know, because your heart's in it. Yeah. You get, you get personally offended or you get upset. Um, and it, it's just, I gave you stressful. everything. How could you act like this right. towards me? Literally by the I hand rescued that feeds you. you. I feed you. I love you. And you're going to guard my bed from me. My bed. Yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> anything and everything you put value on basically is what can so be guarded. How can sure. we avoid guarding from an early age? So this is if you get your dog, your dog comes into your home and they're, you know, 12 weeks. I like to call this the do's and the don'ts. The number one that sticks out to me is like, and we're going to go into like different types of training than obviously what John and I do and like our philosophy on it, like because our philosophy is, is kind of different than even regular positive reinforcement trainers that things are written down. Yeah, like, well, it's, it's definitely different than what's been pushed out into like mainstream TV yeah. um, and, you know, what you might see on YouTube. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So we do things very differently and I think um, – the number one thing I'm going to tell everybody is, especially if you have a puppy, what is like the number one thing people hear? You better put your hands in your dog's yes, poop you while they're eating. Right. Do not do that. This, it, it, it literally pains me when I see people doing it. And then, and I try so hard not to be like, oh my God, don't do that. Cause I don't want to freak anybody out. I don't want them to be like, oh my God, I did something wrong. You, it's no fault of your own. This is just what society has told us to do. So it's, it's not your fault, but we have to try and like backtrack from it. This needs right. to like not be a thing. Um, we think on paper, and on paper, it sounds good. We think that if we put our hands in our dog's food bowl and touch them while they're eating and yada, 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 that we're desensitizing them to us touching their resources. But in reality, we are creating stress mm-hmm. because your puppy who is floppy, happy-go-lucky, doesn't know what day it is, um, in the beginning is like, oh, okay, whatever, they're touching my food bowl. And then like a few weeks later, uh, they're getting older, less floppy, uh, more caring, more insecure. They're going to see you touching their food and they're like, all right, you guys keep touching my food and you're kind of making me nervous and I don't understand why you're touching my food because nothing good comes after it. Um, no, there's no there's no value here other than stress. Right. Um, and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. If you have a dog like Oakley, He's my doofy boy. He, he is not the dog that's going to care. It's your pudge that's going to care. Yeah. 
it's your and this is yeah. not every dog. So like smart yeah, dogs. There are dogs that like I I know there's people at home that are probably listening. It's like I've done I've put my hands in my dog's food bowl and like my dog is fine. That's great. Yeah, I'm not, very happy it's about not that. Always consequential, but exactly when but it is, we are creating stress. Even if it's low level, even if you don't get a garter out of it, it's not a normal thing to do. Their food is their food. It's not my food. I have mm-hmm. no reason to put my hands in it. The root of most resource guarding, uh, I would even say almost all resource guarding is insecurity. It's a fear that they're never going to get that resource again. And that's where a dog that has zero expectations on their food now realizes every time I try and eat, somebody keeps sticking their hand in. And dogs aren't counting every piece of kibble. They don't know if you're leaving with kibble. They don't know if you're taking. You're setting up that scenario in their mind of, okay, this could be taken from me. I should worry about this not being here tomorrow. I should worry that I'm not going to get my full portion because somebody else might take it. That's where we go wrong with, with this desensitizing is that we're, we're creating the association of I can reach in and you have to be fine with it. When we should be teaching them and conditioning them to believe that when we touch their food, when we get involved in hands-on, the food gets better. It's mm-hmm. a good thing. It's a positive thing. And that's like the the main way that we counter condition resource guarding is to now turn it into a good thing. When, when mom touches my food, every time she's done, it's so much better. There's either more food, there's something higher value in the bowl. And I don't know if I'm, I'm getting ahead of you on that one as far as we're going to, we're going to get into that deeper, but it's, I'm glad that you're touching on it. Cause it, it, you have to explain it. Did you cover all the do's and don'ts? Yeah, don't put your hands in a food bowl. Yeah. Don't take their high-value treats away. Yeah, so this is another thing that people do, like marrow bones, bully sticks, all the good stuff. Um, people think like, oh, well, I'm going to take it. <gasps> good boy. And they give it back. Right. And we think that we're doing such a good job. And I, again, on paper, it looks great. And it makes sense in our minds because we are humans and we have logic. They do not. So all you're doing, again, it's the same scenario. We are creating stress because they were just sitting there minding their own business, having a grand old time, and then we just came in and disrupted them for literally no reason. Right. And they they recognized that. Like, there was no reason for that. Again, if you have a doofy dog, they're not going to pick up on it. They'll be like, oh, mom picked up my marrow bone. No big deal. But the pudge is going to be like, give me my marrow bone. What are you doing? Like, that is all she realizes in her mo- in that moment because we, we do struggle with Pudge with guarding sometimes. Um, she's probably like a three on the Richter scale. Three to ten. She's really not bad. No. She's, but it's in there. It's in there. Yeah. And um, like we've said before, Pudge is inbred. She came from a hoarding house. So, um, you know, genetically. She's a bit of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. Genetically, that's where she gets it from. Because yeah. we have never she's really. set up to fail on that. Yeah. And it's not her fault. So we work with her a lot on it. And it it's. It's stimulated by other dogs. Yeah. Um, if it was, I truly believe jo- um, Pudge thinks that she's like an only child and she should have been an only That's child. That's what she wishes she was. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So if it was just John and I, I don't think like that would have ever stemmed in general, but because Oakley and Tasha are here and we previously had Opal like this, I think it stemmed more when Opal was around. Opal added a lot of stress to the mix. That's Because for sure. she couldn't see. So she was blind. So she was bumping into stuff, not really respecting Pudge's space at no fault of her own. And I think that exacerbated it. So yes. stressed her out for we, sure. We work on it a lot and we tell her she's a good girl and we treat her while she eats and we never take her stuff ever because that'll just make it worse. Yeah. Um, so you're, I'm not like forcing her. Like I said, you're her. giving a reason to guard. Yeah. 
Because she's like, oh, well, you, yeah. I growled. So now, you know, and that's the thing too. Like everyone's like, well, I don't want my dog growling while they have it. Like that's disrespectful. It's communication. It's what you want. It's it's not like she's cursing me out. No, <laughs> she's, she's just saying I'm uncomfortable. Me, Please back up. You know what I mean? And uh, I think we take growling and communication really negatively. But in reality, I want everyone to really start thinking about it just as communication. Yeah. It's just our warning sign of like, I am uncomfortable. Please don't push me past this point. Right. And that's how we need to start taking it. We need to start. I don't want my dog growling. On, that's like, again, disrespectful. It's not because how else is our, in Pudge in this situation, how else is she supposed to tell us we're, that she's upset, you know, other than biting us before it's too late. So, um, take that is one thing. Take away from the time bomb. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that so much. Um, we just want to come at this in a, in a, very non-aggressive way. And I think that is usually not the case when it comes to guarding. You have tons of adversive trainers out there saying, you know, flip your dog on its back, um, make them submit. Um, you are alpha. Um, you, you need to let them know your boss. And this stuff literally makes me curl. I can't, I hate it. Um, you gave your dog that high value thing. Like you were rewarding them and now they're getting flipped on their back. Like that, like in their brain makes no sense. Yeah. No sense yep. at all. So we are not communicating. We think that they're not communicating properly, but in reality, it's us. These dogs are like, what the hell is going on? Like, why am I now getting flipped on my back? When, when all I was simply doing was telling you like, or another dog for that matter, I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And now I'm being, you know, now I'm on my back. I don't get it. Or I'm getting screamed at, or my, my thing is getting taken away. Yeah. So we need to realize how our actions attribute to this. Um, what's our next so, line? Well, what okay, are your ahead. thoughts on trades? I'm not a huge trade fan either. Um, I like, and I'm going to get into this. I like the go over here and get a treat, leave your high value item, go get your treat, and then you can come back to your bone. I ain't right. going anywhere. I'm not moving. I am stagnant in this. Um, I should not be the thing that the dog is worried about. That is my thing. I want this to be nonchalant. And this is like from a standpoint of like uh, when it's mild, mild to medium, we'll call it. Um, When guarding is really, really bad, it needs to be like, I would never go work with a dog that is serious guarding issues without John. Like I would always need him there to help me in this. Like the dog's going to be leashed up or um, we're using some sort of like protection measures here. Safety. And I can't always trust my clients to be that for me because they don't understand what I'm doing. They don't understand the exercises. Um, So usually I never do a trade because I don't want the dog to think they need to give something up to get something. Right. I also worry about creating this association with these these things that actually have no value, Mm -hmm. a sock, and then turning it into currency. Yes, that's another thing. So when we do work on this, I have a lot of clients who are, they're not guarding. They're on their way. Um, I'll use, um, I have two Kylos. One is a, um, a chocolate lab. He is around six months. He is a big boy. He is like, I think 90 pounds already. Big boy. Um, he, I think he has, I think he has DNA insecurity and, and that's, you know, that's stemming from him. Um, what he does is he will immediately when he comes in from playing outside or going on a walk, 
he goes to like dig in, in the couch, which he knows mom and dad hate. And then once they like try to get him away from that, he'll go pick something up that he's not supposed to have. And then it's like a chase around the house and they have like an open so- concept house. So it's just like a free, it's a free for all. Yeah. So first they were chasing him. I told them to eliminate that. The chase is like the number one thing that starts it. Um, then we started working on touch. This is where things get fishy. I always say, and he's a smart dog. Again, with a dog like Oakley, this would never happen. Oakley is smart. He's not intelligent. And I can say that because I'm his mother. Um, he would never be intelligent enough to understand to get something that he's not supposed to have to get a command to get food, right? The smart, smart ones understand this. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to go grab a sock because I know mom's going to do the touch command with me and then I'll get a treat, right? And with the touch command, you always do have to give food because that is the emergency command. God forbid they get out the front door and you need them to come to you or they have something that is really dangerous for them, like a wine cork or a rock or something that's going to clog their intestines, something like that, a pill, a piece of chocolate that they're not supposed to have. Now they're running around the house with it and you're nervous they're going to swallow it. This is when I need them to do the touch and come and get the treat. But for like the little things, um, like the socks, the underwear, the, you know, anything that can't hurt them and you are somewhat okay with losing, especially if your dog's not a chewer, if they're not going to sit down and like actually chew on it, they're just going to like look at you and be like, hey, come chase me. And then once they realize you're not paying attention, then they're going to let it go. We have to use our discretion there. So when we chase, if this, if this was the situation of like Kylo grabbing everything and they're doing touch every single time, he's going to get to the point where that's no longer beneficial for him anymore because the treats have kind of lost their value. And then he's going to guard from them. So I always we did tell lose them. The stream, by the way. What do you mean? We lost our stream. It dropped. Right the, now? Yeah. The, no, it's been dropped for like two minutes now, but I'm going to be back on in a second. How did that happen? It's just dropping frames left and right. It's our slow internet connection. So people can't hear us. No, we could totally cut out. We're not even live anymore, but um, might as well continue to truck forward. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Optimum. Why they literally... I was on a roll. Let's see. All right, now it looks like we have a healthy connection. Does everybody see us? There we go. Miranda said we're up. Miranda, what was the last thing you heard? <laughs> if you have Optimum, don't. Switch <laughs> to something else. <laughs> Seriously, it's awful. I don't know where it now went that out. We've probably lost and I everybody. lost my train of thought. Why don't you talk about that exercise we do to counter condition? Okay. So mostly what we do, let's say a dog is guarding their regular food bowl. Um, what we would normally do is John would have the dog on leash and the dog would start eating their food. And then John would slowly back the dog up, um, but not forcefully. So let's say the dog's on leash and let's say he's going to try and get the dog's attention and show the dog a nice treat and ask the dog to come to him um, on his own. If we force it and we're like pulling them, it's again a negative and we don't want anything with this to be forceful. So anything with this, I want the dog to do it on their own willingly. It's not a forceful thing. So dog comes to John um, a safe distance away so I can approach the food bowl. Most situations, this is how we do it differently. Most situations, they will pick the food bowl up and then put something yummy in it and then put the food bowl back down and then let the dog come back and eat. John and I don't do this. We, I will never touch the food bowl because the food bowl is not mine. I don't want the dog to think that I'm taking possession of its food. It's not my food. Yeah. So I'm just going to approach the food bowl, standing up, drop bacon, uh, hot dogs, uh, turkey, whatever. Scoop that, of peanut butter. Yeah, whatever that dog deems as like the best freaking thing in the world, a dollop goes in, right? 
I back up. Um, I tend to not turn my back. I find I like to see the whole situation. Um, then dog, uh, dog, then John will allow the dog to come back to the food bowl. And we do the same exact thing over and over and over again. So the dog understands every single time I approach the food bowl, it gets something better. It's not a negative, it's a positive. And at no point was the dog put in, a, in an uncomfortable situation because we are finding the threshold. And maybe that dog needs to be brought back 10 feet away from the food bowl, not two feet. Two feet may be too much. Um, so we have to see, every dog is different and you have to watch the body language. If a dog is not doing well with this, I will give them much more space and I will, instead of coming up to the food bowl, maybe I'll toss the food bowl in. I mean, I'll toss the food into the food bowl. Yeah. Start um, small. You got to start really small. And there's there's no race here. So, and you have to have like the best attitude during this. Like if you have, you're having a bad day, like this is not something for anybody to be doing. Um, you need to be talking to this dog the entire time. If I'm approaching that food bowl, let's say it's Pudge. I'll be like, Pudge, you're a good girl. You're a good girl, mama. Good girl, right. Pudgelina. And then I would reel her in mm -hmm. nice and slow mm -hmm. um, away from the food bowl. And then once there's enough safe distance... You would make your way in, make sure that she sees it, sees what's going on, make the bowl better, make the stuff in the, anything, put something high value in, allow her to return to the food bowl. And that's like, that's really it. Mm -hmm. Just a couple repetitions of that over a couple of days. And you'll really start to change their idea of what happens when you approach their food bowl or anybody for that matter. I think it's good to mention what you, what you just slightly said was that, you know, make sure she's watching the food bowl. If you are like blocking your dog from watching this exercise, they're never going to realize who did yeah. it. <laughs> so a lot, even like this is like happens a lot when we're doing dog on dog reactivity and I have my clients are like, oh, well, I'll have my dog sit and then I stand in front of them so they can't see the dog. You need them to see the dog while you're positively, positively reinforcing them and giving them food because they need right. to know why and make that connection of, okay, I only get this, you know, I only get hot dogs when I look at dogs. And they need to make that connection. If we're blocking them from them, it's it's never going to get better. We're just shunning them from from the stress. Small increments of stress with tons and tons and tons of positive reinforcement. Very good. Mm -hmm. What do you do if you adopt a dog that already has guarding? So my biggest thing, to, I mean, depending on the age, if it's if it's a puppy, like I had a, a puppy client, I think we talked about um, Mila a lot uh, in the past. Um, she was like a three months old puppy that I got to get started with right away because she's a puppy. She doesn't need to decompress. So we got started immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's an older dog that's been through some stuff, they need some time to decompress it's, like hundred percent. Sometimes some of that behavior is just that initial during decompression. They're just so stressed out from having their environment changed that now they need, they just need some time. Um, they need some time to trust you to trust that they're going to continue to be fed every day and sometimes it just resolves on its own. Yeah, I mean, insecurities. Like, if you're in a house and you don't even trust anybody yet, of course you're going to guard your food. You need to build that trust. So I think it's it's very emotional. This is this is 100% where it stems from. Yeah. You know, that 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 feeling of trust with whoever you're with. How, mu how do you gauge, like, how much time to decompress? I think it depends. I think it, um, if you have a very... And it depends on the dog's personality to begin with. Like, if you have a super hyper dog, um, like, I have a lot of, like, anxious dogs that are... Also, hyper, hyper-focused, need to be stimulated all the times. Those are the dogs I give extra time to. And making sure that they're still getting everything that they need. They need. We right. need to make sure that we're doing everything else first. Like, we're doing basic obedience. We're making sure they have appropriate mental stimulation that they're not guarding. And if they are guarding, that they're in a safe place by, while doing it. 
Um, so maybe they're in a crate or something like that. And like you, you have them come out of the crate and go outside before you grab the bone from their crate. They never see you grab the bone or the bully stick or whatever it is. Um, so it really depends on the situation. If you have more of like a lazy dog that doesn't need a lot of those things, I would say like maybe a few weeks, get to know them. I think that's, that's like the basis for like a lazier dog that doesn't need all that. Maybe it's an older dog who's been in a home before. So like their manners don't need to technically be worked on, but they do have guarding. Right. Um, those are the dogs I would just say get to know first and then you can right. see what they know training feel it out. But training should always be number one. Decompress, training, then guarding. Like you need so to get basic cover commands basic first. Obedience. Yes. Yeah. You're going to build a lot of trust through basic obedience as well. So. And again, like you said, like maybe just learning commands a lot of times. I even tell a lot of my clients that are really struggling. Like they're the ones who waited way too long and now they feel like there's no coming back from it. I always say you'll, you will never believe the, the change you will see just by adding commands under their belt. Mm -hmm. Like that could change everything drastically. Huge huge confidence booster. Well, it's also like your form of communication. You're probably yelling at this dog all day long and they have no idea why. That's very frustrating and very confusing. (laughs) Remember that one client, um, down in South Jersey, was just yelling all the time. When was this? Two bulldogs. (gasps) Oh my God. In brick. Yeah. Um, God, what was her name? I loved her. Yeah, it's right. Two bulldogs. They were just a loud family. She's very loud. She's funny. She's very loud. I think she, she was Spanish, right? So she was, and she yeah. was always like yelling in a foreign language. Yeah. Like, bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. Yes. <laughs> bubbles and, and Rocky. Yeah, they funny. never knew. These dogs were like, what is she saying? <laughs> like yeah, they were they didn't clueless. Know they were know that Cause she's just always yelling. Yep. Yeah. That's so like, they, yeah, that's the thing. Like she'll yell. But it's the same as her normal voice. So these dogs are like, no, mom's fine with us. And she's like, these dogs don't get it. I'm like, you need to, I don't know what you need to do, but you need, I don't know. I don't know if you need to stop yelling or you need to yell louder. Sound familiar, mom? (laughs) If you're in here. So dog on dog guarding versus humans on dog guarding. Um, You have that noted. I'm not really sure what you're getting at. If you could elaborate. Dog on dog guarding uh, compared to Human dog guarding. Okay, so I mentioned that because I want to touch on the fact that, like, the exercises that you would do for a dog that's guarding from you is very different than the guarding that you, the guarding training that you would do with a dog that's guarding from other dogs. Right. This is very different. You are basically the middleman in that, and there are tons of little exercises. This is more specific because usually when, when dogs are guarding from you, most of the time it's food. Not necessarily toys because most of the time dogs want to play with us with toys, right? Some dogs will play with humans with toys, but they won't play with dogs with toys. They get very possessive over those things. Um, so that is where it's a little bit more specific and it would have, we would, we would need to get into more detail about, well, what is the dog guarding and when? Right. Are they in a specific room? Is it a specific toy? Is it all the toys? Is it food from other dogs, but not from you? You know what I mean? So like there's a lot more that goes into that. It's this is a pretty good example of why the solution isn't cookie cutter and you need a, a good set of eyes on it to see exactly what's going on and break it down because you could be following a training technique you saw on YouTube that's for a totally different scenario of guarding because like I said before, there's so many variables and it could just be the totally wrong, a totally different exercise. Yeah. Like you could be doing the food bowl exercise on dog on dog mm-hmm. and that's not going to help very much. Absolutely. Yep. So, um, that, that makes it very different. So don't try and do the, the exercise that John and I do first with a dog on dog situation. It's not going to work and don't, don't yell at the dog that's guarding and then give the toy back to the other dog. 
which seems, I mean, that's borderline flooding, right? It seems like the right thing to do. Again, on paper, it makes sense. Like, Would that no. be flooding? Um, flooding, it's borderline. I would say it's like in the, in the genre for anybody who doesn't know what flooding is, it's, it's not talked about often, but it's still being done. And if it's it's a huge tactic in boarding trains. Yes. So basically, um, let's say let's use Tasha, even though she would never, um, not my Tasha girl, not my Tishi Tashi. Um, let's say Tasha guards marrow bones, right? It's the only thing she guards. Um, and this is a true scenario. I'm just not using the normal dog's name. This is another training company that is in Monmouth County, and this is what they do. They will take the dog, let's say Tasha. She's got a prong collar, and she's got a shot collar, and she's basically tethered up. She cannot move left or right, forward or back. She cannot move. They make her sit there. They bring another dog in, maybe five... I would say five feet from her. Yeah. As, as close as they can do without her being able to reach, reach the, the dog. other dog. Yeah. And that dog has a marrow bone. And she has to sit in front of this dog and not react at all. If she moves, she's going to get tugged on the prong um, and shocked. And if she barks or growls or lunges or does anything negative, she will get shocked so and yelled at. They're flooding with that stimulus at the same time suppressing any any bit of behavior. So what you're left with is a dog that... Still really, really dislikes that stimulus. Probably more now. Way more now. (laughs) But now is too afraid to vocalize or express that they don't like this thing. And that's when you end up with dogs that maul another dog in the house after five years of living together harmoniously. And, you know, just hear these horror stories. And it's because these dogs, that dog has hated the other dog forever. And just just acted on it and just literally lost its cool. Yeah, we, we all hit that breaking point and dogs do too. So flooding is a really shitty thing to do. Don't do it. And I think that was all your notes for the things you wanted to touch on for resource guarding. If anybody has any questions, you could drop them in the chat and we will get to them. Do you want to answer the uh, one of our backlog to ask the trainers? Yeah, sure. Okay. How about this one? Look at that. The magic. My daughter's rescue dog, Molly, is one. She's a couch destroyer, chewed every pillow and cushion. My daughter is home all day, but not the best disciplinarian. What can we do to help Kathy from New Jersey? So um, this one, and we've talked about this a lot. This comes down to like mental stimulation. Um, your dog is is either one separationing anxiety. Ooh, do the, do the, the cup analogy. Okay. Yes. So the cup analogy. We've talked about this a lot too, but um, I like to discuss it a lot because I think it's something that we need to coin the phrase. We should probably... Um, trademark it um basically i want you to think of it as a cup everyone has a cup every dog every human um will include cats um they all have cups and they're my cup is filled i love john i love how cool would it be if i just got a bunch of glasses right now and we did the illustration i wanted to do where you pour the bad things in not right now no i could do it real quick we'll make a video out of it sorry guys let everybody down maybe we'll show that next week okay okay So your cup is filled. So like my cup is filled. I love John. I love JJ. I love all my family. Um, We have a house that we love and I love my job, right? I'm super passionate about my job. If I, if I didn't love my job, that would take a huge chunk out of my, my cup. Right. And I always use this example because it's like the number one thing that people think about. Like if you ever heard of someone being miserable and hating their job, what do they do a lot of? 
Drink a lot. They drink a lot, do drugs, whatever. They fill their time with something that makes them feel better in the moment, forget their problems, but it doesn't, it doesn't like help them long-term. It doesn't fix anything because when they wake up again and they sober up, like the cup is still depleted. Um, So these are undesirable behaviors, but still get them the attention that they're looking for. And this is the exact same thing with the dogs. If we are not filling their cups with mental stimulation, physical exercise, positive attention, I'm going to get back to this one because this one's a little confusing, Um, resources, shelter, food, water, um, unconditional love, all of these things fill their cup. And if they don't get the required amount for their personality, they will get themselves into trouble. Um, Positive attention is attention that you give to them willingly. It is not attention. Oh, I just hit my, my thing here. Um, if, if they have to do something negative to get a rise out of you, this is not positive attention. That's negative attention. So like you willingly with the the dog is just laying on its bed and you saying like, Oh, I haven't played with fluffy in a while. And you get off the couch and like, fluffy, let's play. That's positive attention. It came from nowhere and it came because you wanted to do it. It's a good thing. It is a very good thing in it. They deserve it. Um, they shouldn't have to annoy you for you to say, all right, let's go outside and play. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be like that. And that's part of, of being a responsible dog owner is making sure that we're meeting their needs. Um, so I always touch on this because if, and like, like for, um, Kathy's daughter, the dog is chewing the cushions and the pillows for a reason. So maybe that cup is depleted. Maybe that cup is, uh, you know, we're not getting enough mental stimulation. So frozen bones, frozen Kongs, bully sticks, yak bones, bento ball, licky mat. We're not getting any of the things that stimulate the mind and let them think, like let them use their brains and work, 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 work till they're tired. Um, Or they're not getting enough physical exercise. This is something a lot of dogs miss out on, especially in the winter. Uh, It's cold. We don't want to walk, so we don't do it. Um, Positive attention, um, unconditional love. Maybe you're just super busy and, or maybe you had a baby and now the dog's kind of getting shunned a little bit. You're not trying to, but we need to set up scenarios where like maybe your dog walker is coming during the day and spending time with the dog that you can't, you know? So like we're still meeting their needs, but we're finding loopholes around it to make it easier for ourselves. Um, now, another thing I would say with this dog, maybe it's having separation anxiety. If, if her daughter's working from home, especially with the pandemic, I'm just assuming, Maybe she's working in another room and the dog is, is stressed out that she's in another room and, yeah. and Molly can't get to her. So now she's chewing on the cushions and maybe just pillows and cushions are her, her thing of choice. Yeah. <laughs> Every dog is different with what in they like case, to chew we're on. We're talking about a one-year-old, a fairly recently baby. rescued baby. Uh, crate train. It's, yeah, crate it's train time for to crate sure. Train. Yep. Whenever you cannot watch the dog. And they're being destructive when they're not being watched, then you need to crate train. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not, it's not punishment. And that's another thing, uh, mental stimulation in the crate when, right before you go to work in your office, um, you're giving the dog a, a marabone in the crate. It's a positive thing. Nothing, right. No one, no one loses here. It's what we had, uh, Elvis do with Max, because if you listen to Z100 and you always hear Max in the background, Max and, and, uh, and Ollie. Ollie barking in the background, um, we suggested, hey, all right, do some mental stimulation. Unfortunately, he's four hours straight on the air. It's hard. So. The marijuana only lasts so long, but exactly, you know, it, Alex it, is going to have to come down and yeah. bring reinforcements. Yeah. He's not at work. So I think that's a good tactic is to just make sure that cup is full and then start hitting the ground running with crate training. Because if, if you, we need to set the stage, you know, yeah. like we always talk about, don't set them up for failure. Don't leave them 
unsupervised when you know they're going to chew your couch cushions or your pillows. Like Molly's not going to wake up one day and say, mm, I don't feel like chewing the couch today. Yeah. And I'm sure she's being yelled at. That's the normal oh, reaction yeah. and that anybody would have. What do we always say? The definition of, in- of insanity is doing the same exact thing every single day and expecting a different result. Right. So if she keeps chewing the couch, we don't leave her by the couch. We have to change it up for her because she clearly can't handle it. She, regardless of if she's getting you know reprimanded or um, getting told every day, it's it, no, this is not what we want you to do she's still coming back to it the next day. So she's not acknowledging the fact that it's not okay. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think that covers that question. What else can we talk about today? Um, trying to think of who did I have as a client today? Oh, I had um, another client come from the pregnancy podcast today. Yes, I heard that. Yeah. I got to talk with them for our first training today. They, they have a week old baby boy. His name is August, which I love. Yeah. Because you know I love that movie, August uh, Rush. No, I knew you were headed there. Um, anybody who likes music, uh, watch this movie. It's called August Rush. It's amazing. Um, and they're just really struggling with their anxiety ridden rescue. Um, they've been working a lot with it. He does guard. That's not their biggest concern, but I said, it's probably your biggest concern. It's just not the thing in the front of your, your head right now, but baby's going to get bigger and be crawling and stuff. I know it's not like the immediate thing we need, but it's going to, it's going to be worked on now so we can we can trust him later Mm -hmm. because you see JJ now. I mean, JJ's 10 months old and he's been crawling around for what? At least two months. Yeah. You know, on the floor a lot. So if, if they're going to have to crate the dog every single time the baby's on the floor, it's going to create a lot of animosity. So we were talking about that. And then we were talking about, um, the medication that he's already been on for a while. They don't know if it's actually really working. So we discussed that a little bit, maybe tweaking some things. Um, and then what what medications are anti-anxiety clamicon. I don't like that one. I don't like that one either. They tried Floxtine and they said it Is, didn't really work, but I'm wondering if he wasn't on the right dose. It's possible. Or they just didn't give it enough time. That takes it takes a while. Four weeks before you even start seeing anything. Yeah, and he's on gabapentin as well. So I said, um, let's add some CBD to it and see yeah. what happens. Um, so they're going to let me know about that. Um, they're in California, by the way, too, so it's three hour different. Oh, is it the San Fran one? Yeah. 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 Um, and then... We were discussing what we need to do when he's in the room with the baby. So it's not like they have to like seriously like protect the baby at all times. It's not like that. I think he gets anxious, like almost like how I always explain, like some dogs get, um, they don't know what to do because they don't have like a purpose or like an activity to do. So like they get really overwhelmed and overstimulated. Right. Um, and then, then that's when he gets himself in trouble. And I think he's a huge barker and they're, I think the nurse at the hospital told them like, they really need to watch how close the dog is to the baby when he's barking. And I was like, what for his ears? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know enough about baby. I don't either, but I was like, Carlo ask Jess if that's true. I I don't, I don't know because I even asked her, I was like, does your baby respond when he barks? And she was like, no. And I was like, but the nurse is worried about like hearing damage. Yeah. And I was like, but I'm, I'm assuming if this dog is a huge barker, which apparently he is, this baby heard him barking in the womb, just like just like Pudge. I mean, right. JJ doesn't That's respond to any barking. Womb, yes, but I think, like, this baby's not getting scared, not responding, not crying when the dog is barking, so I wouldn't assume that it was loud enough to really hurt the baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, we don't know that much about that, but I, I, I was, like, almost mad that, like, the nurse said it because I feel like they freaked them out. Probably. You know, because now they, they have, they have, um, head, yeah. head, gear for the baby and i was like oh my god (laughs) it's really cute yeah um and so they're worried about that and like they're not sleeping well because like 
Andy, the dog, um, needs to be in the master bedroom with one of them. And then they're sleeping in the nursery. One of them is sleeping in the nursery with the baby. And like their goal is to like have them all sleep in the nursery because there's like a full bed in there. But they're nervous that if Andy barks in the middle of the night, he's going to wake the baby or like um, there's like dogs on either side of their house, I guess. And like he barks at all that. So we have to like figure a couple things out to make Sounds this like work better for them. mess of a dog. I know. I feel so bad. Yeah. And they're trying really hard. They're a very sweet couple and they're, they're doing everything they can for him. Um, so like, I think the biggest thing, um, that we talked about was, um, trying to get him to be less anxious and barking around the baby. Um, and for some reason, their biggest thing, uh, the, Andy's biggest thing is the crib. When they pick the baby up or put the baby down in the crib, he starts barking uncontrollably. So I think he's triggered by this because they did have the baby doll in the beginning. So I yeah. wonder if they they did most of the training around the crib and now he's just, you know, OCDing on that. Um, like that he can't break away from the fact that like the crib is a trigger. Um, so we're going to work with that a little bit. But I said, you know, when she's feeding the baby and she's in the rocking chair in the nursery, um, give him like a frozen Kong or something because he doesn't guard those and have him lay in his bed. And I want dad on the floor with him. Um you know, treating him anytime he looks, anytime Andy looks at the baby, um, getting positive reinforcement. And, you know, mom said, well, what if Andy gets up to come say hi to me and the baby? And I was like, that's great. We don't want to reprimand him from this. In right. this situation, a lot of people who are nervous, first time moms, obviously newborn baby is the number one priority here. Want to protect the baby. But if you shun the baby from the dog and like push the dog away, which we inherently do all the time, it's just what we do. You are teaching the dog, okay, like I was able to do this prior to the baby being here. I was able to come up to mom when she's on the couch or in a rocking chair and say hi to her and jump up on her and everything's fine. Now I can't because the baby's here and associating that negative feeling of like rejection with the baby. So we don't want to do that. So what I said, she's like, okay, what should we do? And I said, when he approaches the baby and he's coming over to sniff or whatever, tell him he's a good boy. If you have a free hand, you can pet him. And I want dad to be the one to get involved. And I said to dad, I don't want him coming over and physically removing Andy. I want him to ask him to look at him, ask him to touch. He knows a lot of commands. They know they, he, they've done a lot of work with him. So he has a lot of commands under his belt that communicate very well with him. If he can get his attention on him rather than the baby, great. Have him come come back to you and lead him back to his bed after getting tons and tons of praise, right? If he's too distracted by mom and the baby, I want him to food lore. We don't use this enough and I don't know why. We like to talk a lot just because that's what we do as human beings. We need to talk less because when we talk a lot, we get them amped up. So if he hears dad like, Andy, 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 look, 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 look. He's gonna be like, oh my God, everyone's talking. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I want everybody calm. So I want to talk at the least amount as possible. So when we're doing this, we're being very deliberate with what we're saying. So bring the treat in front of his face, food, lure him so he can look back at you, bring him back to you, give him the treat, make him do maybe a few commands next to mom. And then we go back to the bed. So we're not like, we're very, being very nonchalant about this. We're not, we're not like command, command, command. You know what I mean? Like even like some positive reinforcement trainers are anxiety. Yeah. And that's the thing. Commands don't fix anxiety, desensitization and counter conditioning too. And I want to like, that's, I think the the biggest thing you and I are doing that's a little bit different is that we're talking about the emotions more about this and how our actions are, are triggering them. And we don't even realize it. So like the intensity of how we do things, like if the second he goes towards mom and baby, dad gets up and he's like, Andy, and he's like reaching for him. That's not normal. 
we never did that prior to the baby being there. Like these are weird things that we're doing. And like the dog's like, what the hell's going on? Like, why are you doing this? Now we're making them more anxious. So we need to be very nonchalant with how we're acting. And this, that goes back to guarding too. You're not stressed. You're not moving weirdly. You know, you're just normal. Yeah. You know, because in reality, he's not going over there to like instinctly hurt the baby. No, he's curious. Yes. So let him do his thing. Keep the baby safe and, and try very calmly to get the dog back on you. That's, that's the biggest goal there. So that's what we were working with them today. And I think, I think they were, um, feeling a little bit more calm. I feel bad. They're, they're struggling with sleep. They're on like two hours. So all the way in California, right here in New Jersey. And then last week, Australia and Scotland. And I think, um, our Australia girl wants to do a podcast with us. So I'm really excited about that. So we'll have her, uh, we'll do like a screen 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 by screen with that what she never heard of twitch so we're gonna see no. if she can even get it i hope oh, that's an yeah, app there they can. yeah it is i don't that's know how it works yeah that won't be a problem okay good. we'll figure it out yeah let's talk about our huge giveaway yay <laughs> so we are doing a a giveaway of two virtual training sessions and an official boston university beanie that we only have three of and yeah um asha you need to Either come get yours or we need to figure out arrangements for you to get this because... Why didn't we give it to her with her Christmas gift? Because it... Oh, we forgot it, didn't yeah, we? We forgot it, yeah. 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 No, I've been trying to get it to her for like... Months. Four it's months. It's not even going to be cold by the time you get it to her. I know. That's all right. It's stylish all year round. It's okay. <laughs> she loves her beanies though. Yeah. I'm going to have to mail it to her at this point. That'll make more <laughs> sense. So we're giving away two virtual training sessions and a free beanie, Boston University beanie, um, all you have to do is follow us on Instagram at Paulson University, tag three people that are dog lovers, and like the post. You'll see that post on there, and we next Monday, we're going to announce the winner. And then we're also working, and you could see behind me, we have a wisdom panel here. We're finally going to find out, shout out to Nikki for getting, giving this to us. Thanks, Sissy. Um, we're going to find out what Oakley is, finally. And we're trying to figure something out with wisdom health. To try and do a giveaway for a wisdom panel. So stay tuned for that. We'll see if that actually pans out. It'd be really, really cool if they did. Yeah, I would I would love to do that. And I want it, I want it to be like whoever guesses closest to what he is. Yeah, something like that. Like if you could guess whoever's closest to guessing his mix. That was a loud S noise. No, it sounded normal. It's harsh for me. <laughs> whoever's closest to guessing his mix is we'll win the wisdom panel. And if a ton of people get it, then we'll just use a random name selector generator mm-hmm. thing and we'll figure it out. Yeah. But hopefully wisdom health pulls through. Still waiting for an answer to an email after we got an answer on Instagram. Yeah. But we need like an official answer in an email and then mm-hmm. we'll get that rolling. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what Oakley is. Me too. I'd say, what do you think? But then we'll be giving away our answers. No. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you next week. I am going to order a 75-foot Ethernet cable so that I can plug this computer, which we're streaming off of, directly into the router so that we do not continue to have dropped frames. And this is the second week in a row we cut out. So I'm going to figure it out. I literally hate Optimum. I promise I'm going to figure it out. And uh, next week will be butter smooth. And if it isn't, then we're sending Joanne after Optimum. Oh, God. that's her mother. By the that's way. my She's mom. She she makes most people that work in customer service cry. All right, guys. Have a great night and we'll talk to you next week. Class dismissed. <laughs>